Welcome to Massive Late Fee. And now your hosts, Mark and Carol. Well, hello everyone. Welcome back to Massive Late Fee. My name is Mark. With me as always is my gorgeous girlfriend, Carol. How are you doing today, Carol? Hey, what's up? Not much. It's been a good week. Here it is April 12th, 1997. Are you having a stroke? What do you think about it being 1997, Carol? Um, I think it feels like every other uh, year so far. What do you think about April 12th? <laughs> what the fuck? What's it's your feeling? A- pretty outside today it's very gorgeous outside i think crisp uh spring air happening Ooh, crisp spring yeah i love crisp spring do you yeah okay maybe anyway so we've got some uh some news carol what if being a lesbian isn't ellen's answer what you've heard ellen degeneres Ellen, um, the generous, I believe it, it means it's Latin. Okay. Uh, that she's uh, a lesbian. Uh huh. I was aware of that. She's coming out of the closet. But what does that mean? Not the answer. What is that? Uh... What's the question? Right. Ellen DeGeneres, who plays the title role in the sitcom Ellen, makes sense, is a '90s sort of debutante. After what? She says, were many years of sexual confusion, she has brought both herself and her TV character out of the closet. Hasn't aired yet. That episode hasn't aired yet. But, you know, we're looking for it. Uh, It is a case of art imitating life or vice versa that invites reflection on our mores, sexual and other, as we approach the end of the millennium. One cannot help but admire the grace with which DeGeneres, I don't like Ellen DeGeneres, by the way, uh, shrugged off the inevitable criticism. Nonetheless, all the personal grace and wit with which Ellen DeGeneres is so richly endowed cannot disguise the fact that she and ABC are making a mistake. What? They're Why? Make, making a mistake, character. For <laughs> Carol. What in the fuck? I called you character. For example, consider the source of the show's popularity. As a sitcom, it represents one of several depressingly funny series predicted on the premise that love conquers nothing. Ellen, the TV character, yearns for a relationship that work out, but never they never do. The result is not merely empty cynicism, however, because the character's yearning for love never dies in the face of repeated mysterious failure. She seeks love, falls flat in her face, and gets up, seeking love yet again, because without hope, there is no life. Who wrote this? Maggie Gallagher. All right, Maggie. Hmm. This running subtext of the inherent difficulties of achieving intimacy and the comedic presence of longing for it strike a ruefully hilarious chord with audiences because it is, for so many Americans, the story of our lives. Making the TV character a lesbian may bring a windfall of publicity and plaudits from progressives. But it also brings the show's premise to a crashing close. Does it? The reason Ellen can't seem to find the right guy is obvious. She should have been looking for a girl all along. But can't she be looking for the right girl now instead of the right guy and still have all the same, you know, longing for love and shit that they're talking about? No! Because lesbians aren't people. (laughs) 
Nervous TV executives must suspect the limited appeal of the storyline. Really? Yeah, how many... Maggie Gallagher, how many lesbian women do you think are... This is a ridiculous article. So, yes, what the world needs is yet another sitcom with some lovelorn girl that can't find love and keeps mixing it up. And, you know, that's what we need. Not something, not something that might speak to... A uh, section of the population that doesn't have any representation on right. TV. What the fuck is wrong with you, Maggie Gallagher? Um, this is like awful. Although, like I said, I still don't like Ellen, but I don't. I wish it wasn't her, but I wish it was somebody else. I mean, you don't have to like her, but I still support what she's doing. Oh, absolutely. Uh, let's see. Let's see. Although they approve the episode in which Ellen's reveals her lesbianism, they decline to accept any gay advertising for it. What is gay advertising? I mean, like... Buy these seriously. shoes. <laughs> no, we're not accepting that, sir. The only thing I can imagine is, like, a sex line for gay people. Because, like, what else out there is expressly targeting gay people? <laughs> Those window treatments are only for gays. Which is kind of a sad statement in and of itself, though. Right. Oh, man. Where's the gay coffee? <laughs> Coffee for gays. It may be okay if Ellen is gay, but the but if Ellen, the show, becomes identified as a gay show, profits go out the window. I guess. I don't I don't understand why. Isn't the world ready for a show just about gay people? Fucking soap was like nineteen seventy eight. Right? Billy Crystal playing a gay man. And that was a popular show, right? Yeah, well yeah, yeah, I think so. I don't know. <laughs> you weren't like alive it. then, Grandpa? My my family yes, I was alive then. But my uh, family, um, my family liked it. Anyway, so let me see here. What do we got from Maggie Gallagher being uh, homophobic? Do we know when that episode's going to be? In a couple weeks. We should watch it. Okay. Uh, CBS made a good move. Raymond be back yay they're renewing it we should watch that too everybody loves raymond i like raymond and this is mike duffy our good friend finally oh. thank god no more maggie <laughs> only mike it's one of those increasingly rare occasions when the tv network suit boys did the right thing <laughs> i like call some suit boys okay let's forget for a moment that cbs yanked easy streets which is capital e capital z streets off the air Wednesday, and replaced it with the flying feet of Chuck Norris in an episode of the gosh-awful Walker, Texas Ranger. Instead of a flame and young, the neo-film noir, we were served another slab of ground Chuck. Oh, wow. Oh, well. Wow. But I agree with him. I think Walker, Texas Ranger is awful, and I don't like uh, Chuck Norris either. Yeah, yeah. But that was a really, really bad joke. I've never heard of Easy Streets, though, either, and I haven't watched it, so I guess I'm part of the problem. But at least CBS got one thing really, really right this week. The network announced an early fall renewal for Everybody Loves Raymond, the exceptional first-year family comedy that has been getting killed on Friday nights all season. Of course, any show stuck behind the excretory Dave's Worlds would do a code blue in the ratings emergency room. Excretory? He called it excretory. Holy shit. It's a nice yeah, it's a nice way of saying this show is shit. That's awful. <laughs> but once CBS moved hangdog comic Ray Romano and his droll offbeat comedy to Monday nights, 
following Cosby. Great, great to uh, be associated with Cosby for sure. In early March, everybody really did love Raymond. The show's <laughs> recently soared as high as number 12 in the Nielsen ratings. So people are starting to watch it. Oh. Well, good, because it's a good show. Switching places, a reminder that Lois and Clark, The New Adventures of Superman, moved to a new home. <laughs> They're going out on Saturdays. Nobody watches that show anymore. Anyway, so that then he talks about some other stuff. But I, I, I thought it was, we, you know... We're happy that uh, that everybody loves Raymond's back because we like that show. Yes, Deborah. <laughs> <laughs> I feel like my impersonation of Ray Romano is the reason people are tuning in now. Sure, because you know they did move it to the Monday nights, but also I we started talking about the show and I started doing that impersonation right before it started catching up in the Nielsen ratings. Of course, it was all you, Mark. That's right. We're we're also treated to a, a bit of a interview this week from uh, filmmaker, uh, the most creatively named Kevin Smith. Ooh, they're talking about chasing Amy, of course. Yay! We just talked about chasing Amy. Boy meets lesbian story offers more than easy laughs. Lesbians are a hot topic this week. Yes, they are. It's a lesbian kind of week. Uh well, if you know, is it now? <laughs> uh let's see. Although it may not receive anywhere near the hype private parts has won, Kevin Smith's Chasing Amy is the Hollywood Stern's private or parts only pretends to be. Hollywood, okay. So basically what he's saying is it's like this is a real, you know, like this is a real look at his life kind of thing, I guess. Um, But anyway, so they talk to... uh, Kevin Smith, Chasing Amy has a real story and a real moral, however dubious, which may dismay many of the more ardent supporters of Clerks, but renders it more defensible for the rest of us. So what they're saying is is that they uh, they think this movie's better than, than, than uh, Clerks because it's not just people hanging out and talking about Star Wars. Yeah, okay. What do you think? I think it's... You want to listen to our thoughts about it, you can go back to the other tape. But. I mean, I think it's, the, like, the most substantial, but, you know, they're all good. They're all funny. Yeah, I agree. In their own special ways. But, yeah, they, they're saying he's moving on from slacker cinema. Yeah, maybe. To some more art house type stuff. Yeah. We'll see what he does next. Good for him. Maybe he'll make... Uh, a new Star Wars. No, George Lucas is already doing that. I don't know what the fuck I'm talking about. I'm 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 all mixed up because I'm thinking about the squirrel nut zippers. What in the actual fuck? <laughs> don't call the squirrel nut zippers a martini swilling lounge act. I think I will if I want to. They're uh, they're performing with the Cigar Store Indians at Clutch Cargos in Pontiac tonight. I don't. It's like you're speaking another language. You know what the Clutch Cargos is. I know what Clutch Cargos is. Those are the only words I understood in that whole sentence. You don't. You're not aware of the Squirrel Nut Zippers. No. They're a. Uh, they're a swing band. And who are they performing with? Cigar Store Indians. Yeah, not familiar with them either. I'm not. I don't know them either. Most savvy musicians will tell you they spurn labels and trends, but Jim Mathis downright bristles when you bring up the lounge movement. 
His squirrel nut zippers may evoke an era that, prede- that predates rock and roll, but Mathis wants nothing to do with the resurgent scene. That's got 20-somethings stoking cigars, sipping martinis, and soaking in the space-age sounds of Esquivel. What the fuck? No. I don't feel connected in any way to the martini movement. As a matter of fact, I'm not a fan of any groups that are part of that. They're based off a totally different form of music than we are, says Mathis, who handles guitar banjo and some vocals for the six-piece band. We have more in common with gospel music than with martini Danny. What's wrong with martinis? It sounds like he has, like, just actual hate for martinis, and martinis are fucking awesome. I believe uh, his dad owns a margarita company. So oh, there you go. That's why. No, I, <clears throat> so, I think he's crazy, because I've heard the Squirrel Nut Zippers music, and, uh-huh. I mean, yeah, it's a little bit different than... Something like, I don't know, the Cherry Poppin' Daddies or whatever, Big Voodoo Daddy, you know, mm-hmm. like, a, blah, 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 get a bottle of beer, you know, whatever, I don't know. Um, you know those songs. Yeah, the I know swing, what you're talking about. Swingy songs, yeah. right? Mm-hmm. But I don't think that he knows what, what. that was the, that was his ego deflating as ah. I, as I compare him to the rest of them because I, I don't see they're, they're nothing special to me sorry squirrel nut zippers <laughs> but you're part of it and history will remember you remember you as part of it and and it's okay like just relax and let it happen just fucking have a martini man <laughs> and a cigar just give in to the fucking <laughs> dark side so I've got one more thing before we talk about this fucking movie. So I, this is so long because I've been avoiding talking about this movie. Are you traumatized? Um, I got one more thing here. It's massive love, Carol. Ooh, but yay. not not an entire massive love se- segment. It's abbreviated. No, we'll do some more uh, next month because we only do it like once a month. But I was as I was going through the paper, one jumped out to me that is associated with our season here. <clears throat> Dear Easter Bunny, <laughs> in my basket this year, this attractive, professional, divorced black female, 48, who's caring, sincere, romantic, down to earth, and has a sense of humor, wants you to put a SPM, single professional, maybe? Male? Um, yeah, that makes sense. 43 plus, with similar interests, who is seeking a one-on-one relationship and wants the highest quality item to help it grow. What does that mean? No rotten eggs wanted. What is she talking about? First of all, <laughs> addressing your your singles ad to the Easter Bunny, I understand it's going to be Easter, but that's fucking weird. Yeah, yeah. That just, that doesn't, it's like, it's like she's wishing to Santa Claus. <laughs> Plus, then she goes on to describe who she is. Wouldn't the Easter Bunny know? Right. He's a magical bunny that can fucking abduct a human being and put him in your basket. I don't understand. Maybe he'll shrink him down. Maybe. She's got a really big basket. That's why she can't find a guy. Um, Oh, my goodness. But, yeah. um, He wants the highest quality item to help it grow. What does that mean? What is the highest quality? Is she referring to herself as the highest quality item? 
And what is she helping grow? <laughs> I mean, I thought she was talking about the dude. She wants the highest quality dude. No, he, she said he's uh, who wants to seek a one-on-one relationship and and wants the highest quality item to make it grow. She's got some fucking drugs or something like that. She's gonna yeah. Just I don't think anybody's gonna write back to her. Penis pump. She seems weird. You'd need to be really desperate, right? I mean, like, I can picture her sitting in a room with, like, a magazine and scissors cutting out pictures of bunnies and (laughs) (laughs) just slapping them on the wall. I don't know. This is my religion now. Walking around with the basket. You will help me. (laughs) Well, there is that that story that I didn't read because we don't do hard news, but there is that story that I didn't read about the the group of uh, human heads found in baskets all around (laughs) All around the west side of the state. Okay, back it up. Because, first of all, that's not hard news. That's 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 like, I don't know, Twilight Zone news. We need to talk about that. Yeah, the basket you, heads? You, you, <laughs> you didn't hear about that? There's uh, They found like five different men's heads in baskets just placed around uh, different areas. No. Over the course of the last five, six days. Of the state or the country? The state. Our state. So, oh my god, oh my god, that's really scary. I'm totally fucking with you. <laughs> You're such an asshole. I was saying like <laughs> the joke was that like she did that. <laughs> I totally believe you. <laughs> and I'm like, why have I not heard about this? <laughs> Oh the my Easter god! Easter Bunny Killer. <laughs> See, I gotta write that now. The Easter Bunny Killer. There you go. Your next novel. Uh, well, speaking of writing, I think no one wrote this movie. <laughs> oh no! And if they did, there were drugs involved. Yeah. Oh my god! Somebody snorted a whole bunch of cocaine and said, "What if we made a movie about a snake that didn't look real in any way?" <laughs> Oh my goodness. Let me tell you. So we saw Anaconda, obviously. If you look at the title of this tape, you know we saw Anaconda. Um, What the fuck? (laughs) There's so much about this movie. But the first thing I have to mention is I I understand that computer technology is not very advanced. And hopefully one day it will get better and things like this will look a little more realistic. But if you're going to make a movie about a giant killer snake you need to make the snake look real or your movie is ridiculous yes imagine if they made jurassic park and steven spielberg was like let's just make it all on computer and uh it doesn't have to look real and it can look like a fucking cartoon yeah. it can look like our characters are just walking in a cartoon world but not in a charming way like who framed roger rabbit mm-hmm <laughs> It like, I mean, it, Jurassic Park would not have been nearly as good. Of course. Even if it was the same writing, like, because it's a pretty tight script and everything. Same score, same writing, same directing. Make the dinosaurs look like shit, and you'd be like, eh. Yeah. It doesn't, it doesn't seem like a threat. Agreed. Yeah, this... And that's what happens here. This snake, definitely, it... it, it I, I kind of chuckled when I first saw it. I mean, it's not scary. No. And every time it does this, like, fucking tornado kind of, <laughs> like... It wraps people up in this like little, 
Right? It's like uh, fucking the Tasmanian devil <laughs> coming through. It's so weird. And like it snaps their bones by crushing them to death. And it does it so quickly. And that's but, that, that's accurate because anacondas are constrictors. But the one time that it doesn't do it, it's like, why didn't it do it so quickly? Just oh, yeah. For the movie. Just because Ice Cube needed to live. Right. It was in his contract. It's like I, I, I was kind of pissed off about that. When an anaconda has wrapped itself around you, I don't think they're saving you. I just don't think that's going to happen. Maybe. They was trying to save that one guy that was falling from the waterfall. It's like, hey, I got you. <laughs> shouldn't fall to your death. Right? <laughs> let me let me uh, eat you instead, and we're all good. Oh, my God. So, where do we begin? Uh, okay. No, go ahead. No, no. I was just remembering. Yeah, say it. Owen Wilson's body inside the snake. <laughs> you could almost make out his face. Oh, yeah. Yeah. As it was swimming away. That was funny. Okay. Wow. <laughs> Owen Wilson. Yeah, Owen Wilson's in this movie. And Jennifer Lopez, mm-hmm. J-Lo. Yeah. Uh, like Carrie, you mentioned Ice Cube. Carrie were her straight from 90210 in this movie. So weird. She looks a lot like the lady who slept with the kid in Big. Oh, Elizabeth Perkins? Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, similar. I can see that. Like, I really feel like they're related somehow. Yeah. Maybe. I don't know. I don't know at all. But, uh, yeah. Um, so, yeah, we've got Jennifer Lopez, who, who you would know from uh, Selena. She was Selena in that movie about Selena's life. And she was also on, um, in Living Color. Okay. She was a fly girl. And she's in this movie. John Voight's in this movie. Is he the bad guy? Yes. He ruined the movie even more than the snake. Yes. Legendary actor, kind of, in some, some very big movies in the 60s, and the well, especially in the 70s. But uh, I feel overrated as an actor. I don't think he's a very good actor, to be honest with you. What happened to his face? I don't know. Like the whole time, like he's like doing this really big frown. Mm-hmm. It's unnatural. He looks like he's trying to do an impersonation of Robert De Niro. Yes. He's like, no bit, no bit. <laughs> it's terrible. Like I don't, I don't like it. Is, I don't is get he, it. Is he trying to look like a snake? The first time we see it, he's lying in a hammock. And the camera just pans down to him just staring out into the fucking wilderness with that snake look on his face. Just, and it's like, are you are you, are you trying to look menacing? Yeah. Someone in the theater that's... just someone in the theater just shouted, "Is he dead?" <laughs> Which was funnier than anything that happened to the movie. But yeah, I mean, I think that's supposed to be his scary face, but it's just. It's awful. It's so and he unnatural. Does it a couple times. A couple. It's like the whole movie. And what I think is funny too is they're like, "Where are you from?" And he's like, "Paraguay." And it's like, that's a good idea. In this fucking movie that takes place in Brazil, gets get uh, the whitest fucking person mm-hmm. you can find to say they're from Paraguay. Why couldn't they get an actor that was that was more dark? Yeah, you know I mean, like, it doesn't have to be necessarily uh, Paraguayan. 
Is that what are they? Paraguayans? I don't know what their their um, I don't know their name is, but someone it didn't have to necessarily be an actor from Paraguay, but at least an actor of more ethnicity. Right. Because John Voight's like, oh, I'm from Paraguay, and I'm doing the worst accent, accent that you've ever heard in Awful. your life. And it's like, oh, okay, sure. <laughs> that doesn't completely rip my suspension of disbelief. It literally made me like, wonder if he was lying to them when he said it. Yes, exactly. I thought he was being duplicitous. Yeah. Correct. He seemed like his, his whole performance is so fake. Yes. That it made you think it was intentional. I think he was just sleepwalking through this for a fucking paycheck. Apparently. Because he's done better work. In the, even though I do, I still believe, even in, in the best movies that he's been in, I still believe he's an overrated actor. Okay. Because everyone's like, oh, John Voight is a legendary actor and stuff like that. He's like, he's been in like two good movies. What's he been in? Because I, I don't remember. Um, uh, What's the fucking Midnight Cowboy? I haven't seen it. And, um, yeah. Because I'm just wondering, like, the weird face and stuff, is that, like, normal for him? Or was that just for no, the movie? That was a choice. Okay. That was a fucking intentional choice. I mean, I guess based on the themes in the movie and how it ends and stuff, he maybe he was trying to look like a snake, which is stupid. Yeah, I agree. That's not, that's that's the, the wrong choice for your character. Because it's not like, it's not like we're in some kind of magic world where you are a snake or you're controlling the snake. <laughs> right. Or, you know, it's like we're still in this universe. Yeah, and it, at one point, fucking, what's her name? Uh, Jennifer Lopez <laughs> comes right out and be like, I caught a snake too. And then she looked right at the camera and she's like, because he's a snake, everyone. Right. <laughs> I'm saying that he's worse than the snake that's killing us all. <laughs> it's so, this movie, I think, is supposed to be Jaws and Jurassic Park. That's what I get. I get... Those two things. I I don't get Jurassic Park in any way. Because they're they're running for their lives kind of thing. You know what I mean? Like it, they're trying they're, to survive in there in this not a native habitat. Okay. Yeah, not native to them. Right, that's what I mean. I guess. And and then I get Jaws. A lot of Jaws. But it's a snake. But I mean Jaws is supposed to be like Moby Dick, right? Mm. Jaws is supposed to be Moby Dick for um, for the uh, the one guy. Okay. For uh, Captain Quint, but not for not for everyone. And um, the rest of them is just like a monster, essentially. So I think that's this movie reminds me a lot of that. When I was when we were watching it, I was thinking. This is this is very reminiscent of Jaws. Hmm. You don't see that? I mean, I I I guess it's just like if no, I, if I nobody's had to... made it their life mission to kill anything. He wants to capture it and sell it. Well, yeah. It's but, not like they're fighting each other. But in Jaws, it's not like he's made it his life mission to kill this shark. He's a guy that that hunts sharks. All right. I guess. Um, but anyway, so that's just if I had to compare it to something, that's what it reminded me of. But yeah, they go so the the premise of this movie is they're going Jennifer Lopez is uh likes to wear white shirts with no bra. Yeah. That's, <gasps> that's how the movie opened. That was ridiculous. That's the premise of the movie. <laughs> what the hell was that shit? 
that was the most uh, gratuitous, exploitative thing I've ever seen before, and I've seen Hustler magazine. She's sitting at a desk working in lamplight. Mm-hmm. She stands up to turn off the lamp and right. is now boob level with the camera and reaching forward in a see-through white shirt. Yeah, it's with no like bra. Right in front. It's the equivalent of someone looking directly at the screen. Yeah. Her nipple looked directly in my eye. <laughs> exactly. It's that's but that's what it's like. It's so gratuitous. It's not just like that's in the corner. I mean, you know, no one taught this director the rule of thirds, I guess. <laughs> oh, no, but it's right smack dab in the middle of the screen. It's it's no good. And, like, there's another time that other girl was, like, going to get laid in the jungle, right? Carrie were her. And, and they get just far enough for her to, like, take start undoing her shirt. So then she's running with her shirt open so we right. can see her bra. Exactly. Like, there's so much of that, like, unneeded mm-hmm. sexual exploitation. Eric Stoltz is in this movie for a minute. Oh, yeah, 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 yeah. Well, he's, yeah. He's, he's in it through injured. most of the movie. Just not doing anything. Yeah, he's, uh, he's, he's pulling a... Uh, a Gabriel Byrne or whatever from, uh, or no, Peter Gabriel. Yeah. Yes. Isn't yes. Peter Gabriel the singer? There is a singer called Peter Gabriel, but I, I'm talking about the actor. Oh, I don't know who that is. I think it's Peter Gabriel from while you were sleeping. Remember, he's in a coma most of the oh. movie. Yeah, I don't know his name. But anyway, that guy. Yeah. Gabriel Byrne's the other one from The Usual Suspects. But yeah, so he's pulling that. He's that guy. He's that character. But anyways. Because. Oh, sorry. Go ahead. I was just going to say the, the premise of this movie is they're in the Amazon rainforest because they're looking for a hidden tribe of people. They're making a documentary on it. Jennifer Lopez is directing Owen Wilson, who I guess you would the only other thing I've ever seen him in. I think this is the only other movie he's ever done uh, is a movie called Bottle Rocket from last year, which is actually a really good movie. That uh, his brother's in it as well. We didn't do that. Luke Wilson. No, but I saw it. Okay. And How dare you see anything we don't talk about on the show? Yeah, exactly. I know. <laughs> Our lives just are for content and exactly. Content <laughs> so, uh, he's the sound guy. Carrie Werher's production assistant, and they have the English guy who's been in other things, but I can't think of his name. He's the narrator, and then Eric Stoltz is in charge of the whole thing. And he's like the guide. He can find everything. So that's the premise. They're going down the Amazon and they find John Voigt is stranded in a boat and they rescue him. And he's like, oh, hey, you know, if, if we went this way, this would be a lot faster. And Eric Stoltz is like, yeah, we're not going that way because something about the water and mm-hmm. you're wrong. They're not over there. Well, was it? They kind of accuse him of knowing that there were snakes down there. Did he tell them there were snakes down there? I don't know. Uh. The whole, I mean, like, you can break down the story very easily. He wants to capture a giant snake because he thinks it'll be, like, a million dollars. Which is stupid. Who's going to pay for that? But he needs a whole crew to do it. Yeah. And apparently he doesn't have a crew, so he's just like, I'll just just make these people do it. I mean, he has a boat, Captain. Seems like he made his job harder because they're actively fighting against him. Yeah, like, couldn't he have just hired some people? You would think. Especially because he already had a boat with the captain. Yeah, and promised to pay whatever, like an amount of money. Yeah, when they get the snake. Right. Hey, I'll give you, I'll give you a hundred thousand dollars each, because <laughs> he thinks he's getting a million dollars for this. Right. I mean, that seems like you know, that seems like an idea, but no, Maybe they didn't he's go just that greedy. way. I can't. 
He's a fucking weirdo. I'll tell you that. But Maybe everyone looked at his face that he made and we're like, oh, no, we're not. It doesn't matter how much. <laughs> Maybe. I'm not going to sit on a boat with you for five days if you're going to look like that. But, okay, like, they take him on the boat. Mm-hmm. And then in order to get them to go the way he wants, he causes all this stuff to happen that seems like it would be way out of his control and impossible. I don't. Well, yeah, that's the weird thing is so much of this movie predicates itself on these weird coincidences that happen that just give him the opportunities. Now, I feel like he's just taking advantage of the opportunities as they come, but I don't know. It sounded like he was taking actual credit for it later when he's like, don't forget about this and don't forget about that. When he was like talking about what brought them there and everything to JLo. I I really feel Jennifer Lopez. Oh, okay. That's weird. What's J Lo? That's weird. Is it? Yes. Extremely. <laughs> okay. Um. Anyways, what happens to Robert Stoltz's character? Robert Stoltz's? Who the fuck, fuck is you. Robert Stoltz? <laughs> what is your problem? Is Robert Stoltz? Related to, is that when Robert Zemeckis and Eric Stoltz were uh, merged together into one being? I don't. Eric Stoltz's character. There you go. <laughs> decides to uh, go on, like, okay, the boat gets stuck because the. It gets stuck on some roots. rope. Gets stuck in the propellers. Impe- uh, r- yeah, something like that. Now, I don't understand because, first of all, the snake looking dude. Offered to go in the water to take care of it. Right. It's like, I've done this thousands of times. The other guy's like, I know how to do it. Blah, blah, blah. Mm-hmm. If he wanted him to get hurt, if he engineered the whole thing, then why would he offer he, to go? I don't think he did. Then I don't understand. None of it makes any sense. Maybe the script didn't realize that. <laughs> Maybe the writer was like, uh, but but we established early on that there's no way he could have controlled that. Eh, oh, well. And then... He goes in the water to take care of it, and like he starts freaking out, and he floats up to the top, and they save him, and it turns out there's a wasp in his mouth. Where? How? Yeah, underwater. There was a wasp underwater that he ate. Like, how did this happen? Yeah, there was a wasp just swimming underwater, and apparently got in through his tube. I don't know what the fuck. Was there a wasp in that can of, of, of fucking oxygen? Oh, maybe. That's a terrifying, gross thought. The whole thing's weird and doesn't make any sense. They could have had him attacked by anything. They could have had him attacked by that fucking penis fish he was talking about. Right? How did it even occur to them to open his mouth either? Like, they're like, oh, open his mouth. Oh, look, it's a wasp. Like, how do you know? Does that wasp like to go in people's mouths? Like- maybe. Maybe he was spo- Maybe it was supposed to be swollen. But they didn't do a very good job with the makeup no, if that was the case. No, not but at maybe all. Maybe he was supposed to be... Because then instantly they're like, well, he's not breathing. Let's do a tracheotomy. I wouldn't look at that body and be like, he needs a tracheotomy. Right. But if... It, like, I think he was supposed to be more, much more swollen than he was. Hmm. Yeah, they did such a bad job with so much in this movie. Yeah. No good. Yeah, so then they do a tracheotomy and he's out of commission. Yeah, then he's then he's Peter Gabrieling it for the rest of the... The movie. And so then the bad guy's like, oh, well, we have to go down this river to get him to the hospital sooner. Yeah, this will save us time. So, again, what was he going to do if this had not happened? I don't know. To kill them eventually, I guess? Take over the but boat? But he needed them. Yeah, I don't know. 
He needed at least one of them. So then they go down here, the, this other area of the river where the giant snake is. Or actually, several giant snakes. Because one giant snake is murdered at one point. Yeah. Jennifer Lopez murders one of the giant snakes, and then another giant snake starts attacking them. Yeah. And, like, there was a, a bunch of babies. It was really gross. Yeah. But, and yeah, it's a bunch of snakes. The babies were bigger than most snakes that I see in the zoo. The babies. The little babies. Yuck. Would you... Now, here's the thing. He's like, a zoo would pay a million dollars for this snake. If our local zoo <laughs> advertised, we've got a giant anaconda, would you be like, I'm definitely going to go see that? Um, I mean, without any prior knowledge about what they're like, maybe. I don't think I would. But, like, since I've seen this movie, I would not go anywhere near that fucker now. I don't think I would because, like, who cares about a big snake? I think it's kind of cool to look at snakes. Yeah. I would never want to touch one or, like, have a pet one or anything, but I don't mind going in the reptile house at the zoo. Mm. Yeah, it's not my it's not my thing. Mm. And if they were like, oh, we got a like a 40-foot-long snake, I'd be like, well, good for you. <laughs> I mean, I much prefer the penguin house. But. Exactly. Or, like, tigers. You know, I don't, I'm more of a mammal guy, I guess. <laughs> yeah, penguins are not mammals. No, I know. I said tigers, and then I was like, I guess I'm more of a mammal guy. I know. I was just realizing that. Wow. <laughs> the education of Carol. They lay eggs. That's true. They do. <laughs> They're birds. Yes. <laughs> Did you guys think that you were going to get so many animal facts in this episode? <laughs> What else can you tell us about penguins? Where do they live? They live in Antarctica. Very good. <laughs> and some live in South America. That's true. <laughs> oh. Maybe they'll run into some penguins in this movie. <laughs> oh, oh my anyway. God. So, this movie sucked. Very, very hard. Not just a little. It was absolutely awful. And then they set a snake on fire at the end. And then the snake is somehow still alive. Well, okay, here's the thing. The snake was in the water, right? They set it on fire. The snake goes in the water. The snake put Shark itself out. Yeah, I guess. And, like, just because somebody's on fire doesn't mean they die. Same thing with the snake. Right. It, it was crispy on the outside. It was in pain. I get why it didn't die. How did John Voigt live? I don't know. That was insanity. They, first of all, he gets stabbed and he says to, he says out loud, the tranquilizer. It's like, you have to explain to your audience what you're being stabbed with. And then he falls into the water. And this sounded like ADR because I swear to God, I knew he was coming back as soon as I heard this line. Mm. It was like, I could hear a production or producer being like saying to the director, we need to add a line of dialogue there so it makes sense how he lives or whatever. And so I think it was additional dialogue recording. You hear Ice Cube go, oh, the dark came out his back. <laughs> See the dark like, float <laughs> up. And it's like, yeah, that guy just fucking lived. Yeah, it's ridiculous. So then he comes back, tries to capture the snake, 
with them. He, I don't know. It's, it, this movie fucking sucks. Yeah, he was, I mean, he was literally, like, out. Like, he's been tranked with something that to get the 40-foot snake. All right. And fallen into water. Yeah, but he didn't drown. No excuse for that. There's no excuse that this movie exists. <laughs> this is one of the worst fucking movies I've seen. Like, this is probably the worst movie I've seen this year. Yeah, for sure. And one of the worst movies, I think, of the 90s. It's terrible. I can't think of a movie we've seen in the 90s so far. Mm-mm. What about uh, that fucking Richard Gere movie? In, in intersection or whatever it was called. That was still better than this. I think so. I think it was had more co- coherent story yeah. than this. Oh my god, this movie sucked. It's crazy. Yeah, no good. Don't see it. No, don't, don't go waste to see your it. Time. I think Jennifer Lopez seems like a, a charming young woman. Yeah, with very hard nipples, but. <laughs> But everything else about this movie, awful. Uh, and Ice Cube's better in Friday than he is in this. He's fine in this, but it's like... They yeah. come up to him at one point and he's like, oh, it's a good day or whatever. It's like, yeah, ha ha, you did that song. We all know. <laughs> That's the, the height of fucking cleverness in this script. Right. Let's have Ice Cube say a line from a very famous song of his. Anyway, so that's our episode. Don't go see Anaconda. It sucks. Definitely, definitely avoid it. All right, so you can uh, visit our website at www.retrolatefee.com. Do that. Write us at latefee1994 at aol.com. Mm-hmm. And uh, share the tapes with your friends. All right. Well, we'll see you next time. Bye. Bye.